Welcome to Velocity, the Vista Chamber podcast. I am your host, Chamber CEO, Rachel Beld, and it is my privilege to interview the movers, shakers, and changemakers impacting our Vista community. Uh, today, I'm thrilled to welcome Dr. Matt Doyle. Dr. Doyle is the superintendent of the Vista Unified School District, and he spent 31 years in education as a teacher, site administrator, district administrator, and county administrator. He holds a doctorate in education leadership, and he's responsible for leading the design and implementation of the district strategic plan. Um, his current area of strategic interest is the design and development of a learning ecosystem, including prenatal to grade three systems, learning zones, and building a career superhighway, which is an uninterrupted career development pathway for students to discover their strengths and interests and transform them into talent capital that aligns to the demands of the global marketplace. Wow, that's a lot. So Dr. Doyle lives in Vista uh, with his wife, uh, Alejandra, and three sons, and uh, talk about change makers. I'm really excited to have you here. There's not much uh, more change you can make when you're impacting 19,000 students um, every day. So welcome, Dr. Doyle. Is it okay if I call you Matt? You can call me anything you great. like. Oh, great. As okay. long as it's not a four-letter word. Okay, of course. I'll, I'll keep it clean. There we go. Thank you for being here. It's great to be here. I'm wonderful to talk with you. And as you know, I care dearly about our Chamber of Commerce and our city. I'm not only just the superintendent, but I've been a resident in Vista for 30 years. That's great. And so totally invested in the community in every yep. way. So I really, love Vista. Vista's a great place to be. It is. Yay. Okay, great. I didn't that's a great from the start here. So um just want to learn a little bit about you as a person. Um, you know, we hear about the school superintendent. It seems like this figurehead or a person behind a, a, a desk. Um, but I want to know what what drew you to be an educator? What called you to be an educator? I want to start with that. Sure, sure. So I, I always talk with teachers and, and uh, staff members about, you know, the superintendent is a, is a real person. Um, <laughs> I have mm -hmm. a real life. Um, I've, I grew up in uh, Ranch Bernardo, so local, um, and uh, went into education because my father's an educator, my mother's an educator, my sister, my brother. It's just we live in a family of educators, so I enjoy education. It's fun working with students of all ages. And um, I've been a teacher for 15 years before I became an administrator. Interestingly, I actually started my teaching career in South Central Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. I went up there on a um, kind of a teacher training program um, with uh, U USC and UCLA, and that's where I got my credential to teach. And so it was a really fun experience to teach in Los Angeles. But I came back home and ultimately settled in Vista because I just love Vista. Great, great uh, weather, uh, great city, wonderful people, and it's it's great to be here. So. Education is in my blood. My wife is an educator. Um, another fun fact about Dr. Doyle is um, most of my 15 years as a teacher in the classroom, I actually taught in Spanish, not in English, because I'm a bilingual educator. Wow, I didn't and, know that. Yeah, so it was uh, really fun to help our students who are learning English as a second language learn um, English, but also help some of our English-only students learn how to speak Spanish. So that was fun for us. That's super important in the community that we live in. And mm -hmm. being in California, it's important yep. to be bilingual. So you, you talk about being a parent and you talk about students, but how has being a parent, how does that influence you as an educator? And then how does being an educator influence you as a parent? Right. So um, my wife and I, Alejandra, um, have three sons, Matthew, uh, Alexander, and John. And all three of our boys went through the education system in Vista. They grew up in Vista. So 
learning how to be a parent is a really tough task. Any parent would know that. And one of the int- most interesting things about being a parent is that when you have three boys from the same two spouse spouses, they're all completely different. And mm-hmm. that's just, every day we wake up, we're surprised how different all three of our boys are. And that's a lot like education. Um, teachers have 26 to 38 kids in their classroom. Every single student's different. They all have their strengths, their aspirations, um, their dreams, and and uh, their interests. They have challenges, um, some you know behaviors, and you have to learn how to work with them and and care about them and love them and find uh, ways to tap into their talents. And so as a, as a parent, we do that every day, 24-7. And teachers in the classroom basically do the same thing. They try to f- bring out the best in every student and find out how to create pathways for them so they can be successful when they become adults. That's awesome. So um, as you talk about being an educator in the classroom, what was there a specific situation or incident that led you to 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 go into leadership, to be an administrator? Was there something specific that said, that, that called you to, to, to take that next step and be a leader in that way? Well, I think that, you know, we have over a thousand teachers in our school district. It's mm-hmm. amazing to think that. Um, I think all of our teachers are leaders. They're doing amazing leadership work with students. And many of them not only teach, but do some kind of a leadership role mm-hmm. outside of their classroom, whether that be coaching or um, coaching students in, in athletics or coaching teachers and supporting teachers. And we have this program for beginning teachers. And so a lot of our veteran teachers are coaches for beginning teachers. Oh, so, wow. Okay. Um, <clears throat> that's, that's important, I think, to know that leadership starts at the classroom. Um, and we have other um, members of our employee organization that are not certificated staff members that are doing amazing leadership roles. So I think my interest in leadership started when I was a teacher. Um, and then as my, my two, three children got older and I had more time on my hands, I wanted to kind of expand the scope of uh, who I work with mm-hmm. and went into becoming a site administrator and from there kind of came to the district office and tried new challenges. And so my leadership pathway was based on what the district needed me to do. Interestingly, most of the jobs that I've had, I haven't applied for. Mm-hmm. Um, they were asked me to do it. I was happy to learn new things and try to support the, the organization in interesting and important ways. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story about one leadership role I took that I was absolutely not ready for. And that was when I was asked to be the executive director of special education. Mm. Special education um, needed some structural support. Um, one of my expertise with my doctorate is developing systems and writing strategic plans. And so I was asked to go over to the special education department, work with the great people there to develop a tighter instructional plan to support our students with special needs. So that was a challenge, but it also was was really beneficial for me. I learned, um, I, I had a deeper level of understanding and appreciation for our folks that work with students with special needs. And we were able to develop really meaningful strategic plans that uh, kind of brought up the level of impact on our students and their learning. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so, I mean, that's obviously a very rewarding aspect of, of your past work history. What's something that is you find incredibly rewarding that maybe would surprise people about being the superintendent? I mean, there's obviously you're impacting students and there's the, the clear things, but what's something maybe surprising that you find rewarding? I think that's, I don't know if it's surprising, but something that's like very rewarding for me as a superintendent is my ability um, to go into school locations identify people who never thought that they had leadership capacity 
and amplify and elevate their ability and move them into a different role. Oftentimes, our teachers are so committed to students that they don't think of themselves working in a different capacity. Mm -hmm. um, and so when we can identify talent, um, that could help more than just 35 kids in a classroom, and we bring them into a new role, new leadership role, um, it really is, is gratifying for them. And it's, it's great for me to see that they kind of were able to expand their abilities to a level that they never thought they could. Similar to what we do with students. We can do that with our staff members as well. They're, our staff has amazing talents, and oftentimes they just need an opportunity to try something different and show how they can you know, expand their impact on students and on staff. That's a really uh, great thing to point out. And it's also applicable to businesses across the board. You know, when we talk about nurturing and talenting our employees, uh, nurturing our talent and our employees, yes. um, looking for things in them that they didn't even know they could do. I personally have experienced having a manager or boss say to me, I think you could do X, Y, Z. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know that I can do that. But if you believe in me, okay, maybe I can do it. And so I think that's really incredible that you see those uh, talents and skills and that there are opportunities for teachers and educators throughout the district to elevate themselves in, in lots of different ways. That's yeah. really great. Many of the principals today, we have 29 of them in our district, were just amazing, fabulous teachers that never even thought they would want to become a principal. And now they're a principal and they're having a massive impact on you know, 600, 700, 1,000 students. So... Um, there, oftentimes, people need to have doors opened for them. Mm -hmm. And one of my jobs is to find the talent and open those doors so they can do great things for our community. That's great. So, so what's hard? What's, what's hard about, about this job? Well, I mean, it's, every job has difficulties. Of so course. I, I think you know, being a teacher is really hard. Um, being an instructional assistant is amazingly difficult. Mm -hmm. I think I suffer from challenges like other people suffer you know, when they have jobs. Um, it's difficult dealing with situations for which we don't have a lot of control. Mm -hmm. I think we can, you know, obviously the current pandemic is a challenge for everyone. And, right. it's, and it's frustrating because you want to do the right thing. We want to put systems in place, but we don't always have control over the outcomes of everything. So mm -hmm. that's hard. That's definitely an area that's yeah. hard. Another area that's hard is, you know, we are a public entity. And so public schools are required to follow policies and procedures that oftentimes we may not necessarily like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they, they come to us from Sacramento. And so that's it's tough to juggle that and to help people understand that while we we understand their feedback and we understand some of their um, criticisms of aspects of our program. There are um, rules and regulations that we do need to follow because we, you know, we're part of a larger organization. Right. Absolutely. I know I've, you know, heard people uh, both city council and district meetings or other, you know, Brown Act committees, you know, they want to show up and talk about something. They want an immediate answer. You can't do that. You have to have, uh, there's a process for putting something on an agenda. There's a process for discussing it. It has to be posted so many days in advance. And not everybody understands that process. And I think that, I think the district's done a good job of explaining that. So, um, so, that, so, so I think that's good. Um, you mentioned the pandemic and I didn't want to spend much time on that today sure. because I feel like it's talked about 24 seven. But I did want to give you an opportunity if you wanted to, um, if there's anything that you wanted to say or share with the community um, about COVID, about the district's response to it. I mean, you're really great about your community updates. And I know you have amazing communication, but if there was just anything on your mind that you wanted to say about the, the pandemic or the district's response to it, or how you feel about how it's impacting students, just anything, you know, from you. 
Yeah, I'd say um, the, I think the number one message for parents and our community members about the pandemic and Vista Unified is that we are a very focused, student-centered organization. And um, the pandemic is a very dynamic, challenging, ever-changing, evolving um, you know, set of, of challenges we have in front of us. And as a school district, we're committed to being flexible and nimble and adjusting to what the pandemic throws at us. Mm-hmm. And we need our community to support us as we try to pivot, move, and adjust based on what, what we're struggling with in our schools. Our ultimate focus is to maximize the number of minutes our students are with their teachers in person mm-hmm. and with their colleagues, their students, other students. Students learn best when, when they're with others. Uh, with other students, with teachers, and that impact. We know that the social-emotional stresses that our students are exposed to when they're alone oftentimes is as bad or worse than some of the outcomes of the pandemic itself. So we need our community to know that we are with them. We have this, but it's dynamic, Mm -hmm. and it will change every week. Mm -hmm. And that while we might find positive cases here and there, we have a health and safety system that's on it, um, that's fully aligned with what the doctors and the nurses in the state and the and the nation feel we should do, um, and we are we have the capability to meet students' needs to keep them safe, but keeping them safe means that we all have to learn how to be flexible mm-hmm. and adjust, and we all have to be patient with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, oftentimes when we pivot classrooms, you know, parents want the information ten minutes after we pivot the classroom, and we understand that need. But we are working with a large organization, and we're trying to make things work. So there, there, there will be delays here and there as we adjust. But the most important thing for them to know is we're focused on students, and we're trying to do right by every student in our school district. And every student has a different level of needs. Mm-hmm. So we have a, a team that's ready to go. Mm-hmm. You know, One last thing about the pandemic that's important for people to know is our district actually has 12 registered nurses. Wow. That's um, huge. People don't know that. No, um, I didn't. They are the ones behind the scenes that have the expertise in 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 the medical field to make those determinations about close contact tracing mm-hmm. and about determining which which classrooms, which groups of students might need to go into quarantine. And so, I just want to reassure our community that we have very capable, very highly trained health professionals in our schools right now making those difficult decisions about how we keep our students safe. Great. I think that's really helpful. And I think just um, hearing from you that everyone's just trying to do the right thing here, but follow the ru- the many, 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 many rules that are given. Uh, I think it's important for folks to understand that that there's the the intention is like you said students first and keeping people safe and meeting needs. Uh, so thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate it. Um, so I wanted to talk about equity. So this is a word that comes up again and again at the district level, at the you know school board. I listen to the school board meetings, and I hear the word equity, and I want to know what does what does equity mean to you? What does that what does that word mean to you personally and as the superintendent? Well, for me, per, we we have an official definition. Of oh, equity. okay. Um, the official definition definition of equity comes from the National Equity Project, and okay. that is that every student gets what they need to be successful. It's a very simple definition. Very simple. For me personally, equity means, and this is coming from someone who's actually 32 years into the education business, um, and 
equity is something where we all need to be careful that students don't always get exactly the same thing, that students get specific levels of support based on what they need. And that goes back to our conversation about being a parent. Mm-hmm. You know, when we have, when I have three sons of mine, I don't do the same thing to support all three of my sons. I make adjustments. One of my sons is an athlete. So I make, so I, I, we kind of structure his daily living around athletics. Mm-hmm. Another one of my sons loves music. And so we adjust music. That's, that's what equity is. Equity is making sure that our students get what they need and that we take the time to understand who they are, what they're their passions are, what their um, their abilities are, and how do we tailor our support for them so that they feel successful and that they're ready for the world. Um, and so equity isn't equal. Equal is everyone gets exactly the same thing. And we don't do that in our homes, Mm-mm. and we shouldn't do that in our schools. Equity is making sure that we set the, the, the table and the conditions for students to be amazing people. Um, and sometimes that means some of our students need more support. Um, socially, emotionally, mm-hmm. um, intervening in students who might be thinking about suicide ideation. Mm-hmm. Clearly, that type of a student needs a, a, an elevated level of support, and we right. want to provide that. Students who have food insecurity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, not every student has that, but some need a, a great, a greatly elevated level of support for students, food insecurity. We have students who, who have difficulty learning to mm-hmm. read. Um they need a level of support that's different than another student might mm-hmm. need. So equity is about making sure our students have what they need to be successful and making sure that our resources, we have lots of them, we organize our resources and we operationalize our resources focused on what students actually need, not so that every student gets exactly the same thing. Great. Thank you. Gosh. Um, you know, when you talk about food insecurity. And I, I know I had shared this story with you before we recorded today that, you know, growing up, there was a period of time where I was, I received a free lunch at school. And there was an, uh, a situation at my school at the time, this was the 90s, we did things differently. But you had to go in a different line yes. to get your free lunch. So uh, when I was in middle school, I wasn't going to go in the different line, I just didn't eat lunch. Or if I could find some quarters, I might buy a bag of chips from the vending machine, you know? Um, And so um, I love that California has made lunches available to all students. And, um, and I think that that's fantastic. So no matter what you're, you're eating lunch, um, you get a lunch, no matter what line you have to get in. And what's great about that. It's fantastic that we have that opportunity and it actually comes from the national um, funding. Oh, Um, I didn't know that. Oh, thank you for telling me that. that. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. the federal school lunch program. Cool. Um, and, and what's really cool about that for us as a school district, this is our fifth day in school. So right. we just barely started, um, but our lines are really long. Mm-hmm. And so now we're bringing more staff in. Mm-hmm. So that, that's an example of a problem that's fantastic to have mm-hmm. so that we have more kids that want more want, want lunches. And we're, we're right now kind of hiring to meet that demand. So mm-hmm. another example of equity. Right. Clearly, there were kids that would have gotten lunch if we gave them the ability to to get lunch. And so now that they want lunch, we're going to respond to their needs. That's fantastic. Great. So um, one of the things that uh, – so I last uh, recently I was at the city council meeting, and the city council was allocating – uh, a large chunk of money. They re- the city received $26.2 million in funding through the America Recovery Plan. And um, a, a, a small amount of that money was set aside to enhance Wi-Fi. And so I was wondering if you could just touch a little bit about the project that's happening between the city and the school district about Wi-Fi. 
Yeah, well, just a couple of statements about the city. We have a very good relationship with Patrick Johnson, our mayor, Judy Ritter, and, the, and all of the members of the city council. They're fantastic. And, and you know, a school district is only as effective as their relationship with the people with whom we serve. Mm-hmm. And the city is a really important part of that. So one of my key commitments as a superintendent is to deepen our relationship with all the members of our city organization and with your organization, Rachel, with the Chamber of Commerce. So one area that, that, that kind of demonstrates that commitment is the work that Patrick Johnson, Mayor Ritter, and I are working on to pool our funding mm-hmm. and um, try to create a network across our entire city where there's free wi- Wi-Fi. Now, Amazing. We're not there yet, but we're, we're, we're making progress. I'll give you a couple examples of where we're going with this. We already have our first Wi-Fi, free Wi-Fi tower up at Vista High School. Wow. Um, it's about a mile and a half radius. Um, so, and that's as the crow flies. So um, it's, it's pretty, pretty broad. Our goal is to get five or six towers up so that you kind of, if, you, if you're familiar with cell sites, they kind of overlap each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so that um, downtown, anyone coming to downtown, whether you're going to a restaurant or you're going to watch a soccer game or, or going to watch, you know, going to a football practice at Vista Magnet Middle Field for, uh, for Pop Warner, you can get on free Wi-Fi. That's our goal. Um, we believe we can do it. And again, um, the city has been just an amazing partner in beginning to make that dream happen. Wouldn't it be awesome if someone that came to Vista um, said to their friend as they were driving to Vista, oh, yeah, we don't need to bring any technology because we, there's free Wi-Fi in Vista. That's great. That would be an awesome goal. That would be an awesome goal. Uh, another thing that uh, the council allocated funds for uh, was a program that the chamber, we submitted uh, a proposal for a few workforce development items. Um, the, and the, the city council approved uh, three programs with us. One is a business grant program um, and then also an internship program. And I know we've talked about this yeah, in the really past. Excited about that, really yeah. excited that we got funding for it. Um, the funding's just for one year, so I'm hopeful that we will knock it out of the park and we can uh, find some additional funding to continue the program in the future. But our goal is that next summer we'll be able to place 100 students in internships, and they'll be paid for those internships. And then the businesses will receive the intern for free. Um, the grant will pay the salaries and taxes and maybe bus passes and whatever the, the, the student needs to connect with that business and to have a paid internship opportunity um, when maybe they wouldn't have been able to take an opportunity that would be unpaid. So I'm excited to partner with you on uh, in the district on finding these kiddos and getting the placements right and and all of that. So I'm excited about that piece as well. Yeah, we're we're um, we, we want to thank you personally because you're the one that actually wrote the deal, made made it happen. So we really appreciate that that um, that gift for our school district and for our students. So thank you. And you know this gives me an opportunity to explain. You read at the beginning when you're introducing me this concept of the career superhighway. That was my next question. So good job. Go right, go right into it. Go right into it. So the the work that you and the chamber are doing um, really is c- kind of helping us get to the next level with our goal, and that is this concept of a career superhighway. And the concept's simple. Once I explain it, everyone's driven their car on a highway, mm-hmm. and if you can envision. When you go to Los Angeles or down to San Diego, where there are really complex interchanges, where there's on-ramps and off-ramps, and they go over each other and under each other, we've all seen that when we, mm-hmm. when we drive our cars. That's a lot like preparing kids for the career. There are a whole variety of careers out there. We all know this. There's on-ramps to this career, and there might be an off-ramp where you change your career, and mm-hmm. you might want to go somewhere else. So that's what we mean when we say career superhighway. We want to create 
a super highway where we've, we're eliminating the obstacles because when you're on a highway, you don't have red lights and green lights. You just you just travel. And when you want to go off, you go off a, 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 an on-ramp or an, on, um, or an off-ramp. So we want to create an uninterrupted pathway for students to explore careers. And um, the grant that you just wrote is fantastic because part of that uninterrupted pathway is experimenting, going out and testing things out, trying an, an internship or an experience ship or some other um, type of um, experience with employers to find out, is this for me? Do I like this? Mm-hmm. And, you know, in, in, um, in Vista, we have a, a fairly large percentage of our students that you know, they're, they're challenged financially. Mm-hmm. Um, and because they're challenged financially and their parents are working so hard, they don't always have the opportunity to kind of lift the blinders off and see what's possible. Right. Um, and, you know, so, so this purpose of the Career Superhighway is to engage them in opportunities that they may never have had before. What we don't want is our students to wake up when they're 35 years old and say, I wish I had tried this. Mm-hmm. We want to create we want to create a, a partnership with the city and with the chamber so our students, when they graduate our high schools, can say, I'm so excited that I tried three different careers, and I think we want to go here. Um, so th- that's our goal with the Career Superhighway. Ultimately, we would love our students to graduate high, high school with a pretty good idea of what priority sector of employment they want to go into. That's awesome. Um, and I, I do want to mention this the this other program that wasn't a grant funded by the city, but actually by Supervisor Desmond's office. And we're partnering with the Carlsbad and Oceanside Chambers, San Diego North EDC, and Tri-City Medical Center on these career exploration videos. So we're working right now. The project is underway, thanks to, to Supervisor Desmond's office. We're creating a website and um, a database of interviews with people in different careers. And the idea behind the website is that you can go online and search, I like art, and then maybe a list of videos come up that are somehow related to art and using artistic abilities. Um, People don't always, kids especially don't always think about, I like to do this, or this is fulfilling to me. How can I turn that into a job? I have a funny story about my son. He did TK the very last day of TK, um, they get up, they get a certificate and they got in the microphone and they said, he said, you know, my name is Colin. And when I grow up, I want to be a window washer. And everyone says, wait, what, what did he say? And he said, I want to be a window. I got closer to the mic. I want to be a window washer. And everyone's, you know, clapping very politely. And I asked him later, I said, wow, I did I didn't know you wanted to be a window washer. That's great. And he said, well, I really like to squeegee. And I like to be outside. That's awesome. And I said, fantastic, honey, <laughs> if you want to be a window washer. Now now he's changed his mind. I think he wants of to be course. a Pokemon trainer. Of course. But, um, but I think about that and how yes. really at, at he was, you know, five, he, he got to that nugget of, I like to be outside and it's kind of fun to squeegee. So yep. why wouldn't I want to do that for my job? So I think that's a really great, a great um, thing that we're having yep. kids explore different careers and explore opportunities to see how it connects to what's important to them. I did have one other um, quick follow-up on the career superhighway. So to create a career superhighway, that sounds like just this huge lofty goal. It's a big undertaking. And so how can it be broken into smaller pieces? So we talk about the career exploration, but what are maybe some other smaller pieces that this big goal can be broken down into to make it understandable for folks who want to wrap their brain around it, but also as your partner, how we can help kind of move forward? Yeah, yeah. So you could break the pieces down of this idea of creating an uninterrupted pathway to career employment into maybe three 
fairly large pieces. The one is in elementary school, and your story kind of captured this idea of where we're going. We want elementary um, teachers and staff to start engaging students developmentally appropriately Mm -hmm. in conversations about what they like. Mm -hmm. So the the story about your son is perfect. Um, So it's not important that it's a window washer. The important thing is he's thinking about what he likes. Right. And so that's this kind of, we call it the world of work Mm -hmm. environments. We want to create conversations with students at the earliest ages possible, TK, so in some instances less than five years old, right? Mm -hmm. Um, about what is work and what do I like? And we know that they're going to change their mind many, many times, and that's what we want them to do. We want them to really pressure test their thinking as they grow up and get older so that when they do choose a career, they've thought long and hard about it and had many experiences. So in elementary, we have this world of work curriculum where we engage students in conversations about what do I like and what are some careers out there that I'm not talking with my mom and dad about. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's one example. In middle school, we actually get into hands-on activities and careers. So we have some um, activities in the construction field. Construction is very big in California, and it's going to get bigger mm-hmm. as, it, as it goes forward. So we want them to kind of get their feet wet with what does this look like and how can I experiment. We have maker spaces, so they engage in maker spaces. Um, we have design labs where they actually design things. Like, for example, at one of our schools, the school that, that your daughter attends, Vita, we have an entrepreneurial mm-hmm. design lab. So it's not just things with your hands. It's actually things thinking and leadership and those. So we have a whole variety of different types of makerspace opportunities in middle school. So that's like the next level. So mm-hmm. it's not just about thinking about what you like. It's about actually trying some stuff on. Mm-hmm. And then when we get to high school, we have career technical education programs, very robust career and technical education programs that the, the students that will participate in your newest um, internship program will come out of, and so we have, and we have a variety of pathways. We have culinary, actually, one of the most recognized culinary programs in the state of California at Vista wow, High. Wow, great! Uh, we have auto shop um, at Vista High, um, and we have photography, and we have um, whole artistic pathways. Um, we're just opening up at at Rancho Buena Vista High School um, a twelve million dollar facility in two years. It's not there yet. It's moving thanks to Measure LL a facility for um, construction and all the construction pathways that are, that are being utilized in California, and another one for welding. Welding is very popular for students, but in order to provide that type of a pathway, you need to have the infrastructure. So starting in elementary with World of Work conversations about who I am and what I want to do and where I want to go, Element, uh, middle school, when they kind of hands-on, start to experiment in some different types of learning spaces. And then high school, apply it to real-world priority sectors where they're actual jobs and what do the jobs look like. And, you know, one last thing about high school. Oftentimes when we think of high school and people think of career and technical education, they think of one or two jobs, like to be a contractor or to be a welder. But we call it a career matrix mm-hmm. or a lattice. If you think of like a, a rose growing up a lattice work. Um, when you think of contracting, there's 50 different jobs in the field of contracting, not just the person who swings a hammer. Right. And so our focus is not just to talk about the hammer. That's good. We should talk about that. But what are the other jobs, like the construction manager, mm-hmm. um, like the engineer, the architect? The finance so, person, the, the accountant. The finance yeah. person. Mm-hmm. So, so this concept of a career lattice is a really important um, aspect of our learning for students is that it's not just about one job. It's about a whole bunch of jobs that support that person who's swinging the hammer. Cool. So how can 
our Vista businesses get involved with with education and with the with the school district. I mean, obviously partnering with the chamber that's great, but but if they want to get involved, what's do you have any suggestions or ideas? Yeah, well, Robert Kroll is our um, is our administrator in charge of our career and technical education. So he's the lead for our school district. So I think the first step, if they really want to engage, is to contact Robert Kroll. Just okay. go to our school district, and they'll they'll get you the contact information for him. Um, and then what we need are, and you're doing it for us. We need places for places for our kids to go to, um, to see it to experiment with it, mm-hmm. to talk to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could be people coming to our classrooms telling us about their business. That could be us doing little quick you know, tours to different businesses, or it could be the internships where they're paid. So mm-hmm. a whole, we need a whole variety of people to kind of lean in because we're developing talent capital for these businesses. And you know, w- one thing to think about from a Vista Unified perspective, um, if you're looking at it from the lens of a community member or a business owner, is that um, Vista Unified actually every year annually um, has over $5 million in scholarships awarded to our graduates annually. Amazing. Um, We have the greatest number of scholarships of any school district in North County. Wow. Um, Wow. And that's talent. These are kids that are getting $65,000 a year scholarships to MIT. We had kids get scholarships uh, to Cal Berkeley. Right. Last year, we've got kid, lots of kids get scholarships to UCLA, mm-hmm. uh, San Diego State. Um, so these are very capable students, and we'd like to keep them in Vista. Yeah, keep that ability and th- that intelligence in Vista. And the only way to do that is to develop relationships. You know, when we think of students and their ability to navigate career pathways, um, there's there's two kinds of networks they create socially. There's the, the strong tie networks, and those are their teachers and their parents, the people they see every day and they have mm-hmm. deep relationships with. And then there are the weak tie networks. And so what we need to do with the chamber is expand their weak tie networks. These are people that they've, they've met, they understand, they don't see every day, but they're starting to kind of expand the number of people that they know. And it's typically research shows that kids that get hired get hired based on their weak tie relationships, mm-hmm. not their strong tie relationships. So most of our students who graduate have no weak tie relationships. Oh, okay. And so I think that's what the chamber represents is our ability to create a social network for our students where they know some business owners and they've had conversations and they may not get hired by them, but three years later they might. Right. Or they may be able to help the business owner. So those relationships help everybody. I'm in. I love it. Yep. I want to help make those connections. That's great. Okay. So um, I have a couple of questions, uh, I, rap, kind of rapid-fire questions. I gave you a heads up so you could think about them. But I want to know um, a book that you think everyone should read. I would say Nuance by Michael Fullan. Okay. Okay. I'm not familiar with that one, but I will look it up immediately. Um, okay. What is a song you always have to turn up when it comes on the radio? Uh, what a Wonderful World, of course. Oh, that's a good one. Um, and then what is something that inspires you? My three sons. Isn't that a television show? Wasn't that a television it show? It was. Yeah. Okay. And people joke with me all the time about it, but I'm inspired by my three sons. I love my sons. They're doing Absolutely. great work. And I think uh, Alex and I have done a good job preparing them for life. That's amazing. Okay. Lastly, it's the Chamber Podcast. I want to know a Vista business that you think deserves a shout out and why. Well, that, that's a tough one because there There's are so many. Oh, so many of them. Just There's amazing so many. businesses. Um, can I do two? Okay. Okay. Um, I, would, I would definitely say um, Big Gems is a favorite okay. for a lot of our teachers and our staff. So I'd say they, they do good work. The homemade chips there are really, yeah. really good. And then I would have to say I, 
Pepper Tree is an amazing place. We were just joking with all the principals about Pepper Tree and how many of us are guilty of going there, getting yeah. donuts and everything else. So I think those two are, we, there's amazing businesses everywhere, but Absolutely. I would say those two are our favorites of the staff and Vista. Thank you. Thank you for that. And I have to just add to your plug for Pepper Tree is that Danny, the owner, um, is on the board at the Boys and Girls Club, has a longtime Vista resident, grew up in Vista, is a Boys and Girls Club alum, Vista Unified alum, and really invested in the community. So I think that's a perfect shout out for he's both fe- of those. He's feeding the community. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you so much for being here today, You're Matt. You're welcome. And um, for this episode of Velocity, the Vista Chamber podcast, we're just so proud to be your partner and to help support our students and connect them uh, to businesses and make those connections between um, commerce and education. So thank you for being here today. I really appreciate it. Is it is my absolute pleasure. And we look forward to continuing our relationship. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into Velocity, the Vista Chamber podcast, where we hear from the movers, shakers, and changemakers impacting Vista, California. To hear the latest from Velocity, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The Vista Chamber of Commerce is a nonprofit organization which serves as a catalyst to business growth. Visit us online at vistachamber.org.